So the past few weeks, we've been discussing our relationship with Jesus, how it starts by following him and how to grow in that relationship by making it more personal. Today, we're going to continue along that thread and jump into a new series that centers around this question. What difference does it make? What difference does following Jesus make? Now, this is a question that we're asking in every area of life, whether we know it or not. You see, the research shows that our brains are designed to help keep us alive, to help us survive. And thousands and thousands of years ago, that was really helpful when when like a saber-toothed tiger would come up over the hill, right? But nowadays it's changed. It works its way out in different ways. We make decisions on our habits. We're constantly asking the question, what difference does it make? We do this with our diet, right? We do this with relationships. In parenting, we try to find out different ways and we're evaluating continually. Does this make any difference? Is this improving my life at all? Is this adding value to my life? Is this making things easier? Is it helping me to get more done? Am I saving time? We, we say it in a, in a lot of different ways, but when we're contemplating this, what we're ultimately asking at the heart of all this is what difference does it make? And if we come to the conclusion that the answer to this question is none, well, then we lose interest, don't we? We move on. We stop doing that thing. We, we move on to doing something new. If we try out a new diet and we hope that this is the thing that's, that's finally going to help us get in shape, and then after three months, we've lost like a third of a pound. You know what I'm talking about. We've all been there. It, it, we kind of feel like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Actually, it, it, it really did make a difference, didn't it? it? It's kind of made me miserable for the last three months. I, I was angry or maybe I was hangry. So I'm just going to go back into eating breakfast at Dunkin's every morning because at least that made me happy. Maybe it's a new budget. Maybe, maybe you feel like you know, we're going to create some margin. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to get our financial world in order. So we meet with an advisor. We meet with somebody that we trust, and they give us this new plan to try out. And then we get several months in, and it's like, wow, we're still in the same spot we were before. So what do we do? We say, forget about it. We move back to what we were doing before. We, maybe we try something even a little bit newer. What difference does it make? And when the answer is none, We move on and we do something different. We cancel the subscription. We punt on the diet. We lose interest in whatever that thing is that we're trying out. And the interesting thing is this. We can do the very same thing with our faith. We can look at faith and religion and church and ask ourselves, what difference does it make? In fact, for some of us, we had a season in life maybe where we walked away from church or we walked away from faith altogether. Most likely the reason we did that, the reason we kind of walked away in the first place is because we were asking this question. What's the difference? And as we kind of look around, we came to the conclusion that it really doesn't make any difference at all, right? We noticed that people became more self-righteous. People became more prideful. They became more hypocritical. And so it's like, if, it's, if this is what Christianity is about, I don't want any part of it. I don't, I don't want that. For some of us, maybe we didn't walk away from faith at all, but maybe you know, we've experienced times in our lives where we kind of stalled in our relationship with God. And in those moments, we concluded, I don't know if, if I make much of a difference. We stopped serving, right? We stopped giving. We stopped engaging with what God was inviting us to do, the, the part that he wanted to play in our story. And the reason why we, why we did this was because we were asking this question, what's the difference? And then we concluded that, well, I don't think I make make much difference at all. And that's the reason why over the next four weeks, this is so important because this is is one thing when it comes to a diet. It's one thing when it comes to an exercise program or the latest gadget that's supposed to help our life out. This is way much of a bigger deal when it comes to faith because faith makes a huge difference. Following Jesus, it makes a huge difference because when we become indifferent towards faith, we miss out 
on his purpose for our lives. We miss out on his plan for our lives, what God wants to do in and through us. We miss out on the life that we could experience in Jesus. After all, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it to the full. We miss out on that full life when we assume that our faith doesn't make any difference. Because you see, when Jesus showed up, he didn't intend on it to be business as usual. Jesus didn't show up to, to observe things, to see how the, you know, they were going. Jesus showed up to make a difference and to make a difference that the whole world would feel. So what difference does it make? So today, as we get started, I want you to think about this. When was the last time you asked someone this question? How are we doing? No, really, like, how are we doing? Have you ever asked someone that question, or maybe have you asked someone that question recently? Has somebody maybe asked that question to you? Have you ever been afraid to ask that question because of what the answer might be? Maybe you've even avoided this question altogether because you knew what the answer was going to be. Some of you may have had some conversation this week and you, know, you could have asked that, this question, but you're thinking, hey, based on the way the conversation already went, I know what the answer is going to be and I don't think I want to ask that question anymore. You see, this is a really, really important question, but the truth is it's also a really, really complex question, isn't it? This question gives us context around um, any relationship that we're in. It's helpful with our spouse. It's, it's helpful with our relationships, our dating relationships, our friendships. If you're a parent, it's helpful to know where we stand with our kids or how our kids are doing. Work relationships, neighborhood relationships. Relationships need a check-in every now and then so that we know where we stand. You see, relationships stall when we don't know where we stand. It's impossible for relationships to, to kind of move forward, for, for, them, for them to grow, for them to develop if we don't know where we stand. And if we're not on the same page, it, it, it stalls the conversation because we end up communicating with different expectations. We end up communicating from a different place and it prevents us or, or at least hinders us from relating. And that's why it's so important to know where you stand because you end up getting stalled out in your relationship when you don't define the relationship. The problem, though, is that finding out where we stand is rarely a, a pleasant experience. Now, it's pleasant when we know where we stand. It's pleasant when we know we're in a good relationship, right? When things are, are going well. It's easy to ask that question. Hey, how are we doing? But when there's a question mark, when there's even just, just a little bit of hesitancy, all of a sudden that conversation takes on much, much, much more weight. Have you ever gotten a text from your spouse that says, hey, we need to talk? It's like, oh, it's scary. It's concerning. Or maybe you're at work and things have been going pretty well, or at least you thought they were going pretty well. And then you get an email from your boss that says, hey, can we meet tomorrow morning? I know this is really last minute, but can we meet tomorrow at like eight o'clock before the day starts? And you're thinking, well, you know, things were going pretty well. I thought they were going pretty well, but am I about to lose my job? You know, when there's a lack of clarity and where we stand in a relationship, all of a sudden that question, how are we doing? Defining the relationship becomes much more difficult. And this is only compounded when it comes to the issues of our faith. It's easy to wonder where we stand with God. It's easy to wonder, how are we doing God? After all, we have, you know, we have a front, uh, front row seat to our lives. When we make mistakes, we know it. The, the, the times that we mess up, we know it, where we end up uh, um, doing better for, for a certain season of our life. And then we kind of fall back into that old habit. We know it. We have a front row seat to the messiness of our own lives. So it's easy to wonder, wow, I wonder what God is seeing and I kind of wonder what he thinks of me. Even if you're not a Christian, maybe, maybe you even would consider yourself an atheist, right? That you don't really believe in God at all. And in those moments where, where you might begin to consider this whole God thing is true, like if God did exist, you, you might even wonder, I wonder what he would think of me. And this is what's so powerful about the New Testament. 
Because over and over again in the New Testament, people are describing and talking about our relationship with our, with our Father, with God. Paul, specifically the Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. And he defined that, this relationship over and over and over again. In his writings, he was very clear. Actually, he was ultra, ultra clear that Jesus had come to accomplish and, and, and the good news that is available to all of us. In the letter that I want to look at this morning, he's quoting an early church creed. Scholars believe that this was a creed that the early church in the first century would share. They would memorize it and they would pass it around. A creed is simply just a statement of faith that's been kind of boiled down, right? It's been simplified. It's really easy to memorize and share. And the reason for that was in the first century, many people couldn't read or many people couldn't write or they at least couldn't do both. So the only way to share this good news was to remember it, was to memorize it, to be able to recite it to one another. Now, here's what's really important about this. Paul wrote this letter to the Romans in late 56 or early 57 AD. This was about 25 years after the time of Jesus. And for this to have been established, a creed, and you know, quoting this in 56 AD, this means that this must have been circulating around the Roman Empire for at least five years before in order for this to have kind of been built up and known throughout the empire, for them to know what he's actually talking about. Now, now here's why this matters, because 20 to 25 years after the time of Christ, there still would have been eyewitnesses that could speak to the content of this creed. If something wasn't true in it, there's no way that it would have survived, right? There's no way that it would have spread through the Roman Empire because people could have just stood up and said, no, no, wait a second, I was there. And it didn't happen that way at all. This is what Paul says as he quotes this early church creed that, he, that was being shared across all these churches in the Mediterranean Rim. He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. This was the creed. And in the original language, it would kind of have like this rhythm to it, right? They potentially would have sung this creed. And they're singing about the good news that Jesus came to accomplish for us, that he died on the cross, that he raised, uh, was raised from the dead to pay for our sins and to bring us justification. And you can see the problem that it would present if Jesus actually did not raise from the dead. If he was not resurrected, there would have been eyewitnesses all around that would have been able to stand up and stop this. Like, whoa, 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 wait a second, guys. That's not how it happened. That is not true. So then the most likely possibility, the most likely reason for this is that it actually happened. For it to grow and spread in the Roman Empire like it did means it, it most likely actually happened. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. So Paul is quoting this creed that they would, that they would have known, right? They would have, have recited this in their church services in Rome, probably hiding in some, some cave or you know, early morning before everybody woke up. He quotes this and he says, therefore, <clears throat> therefore, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know this creed. You, you know it well. You've, you've sung it before. Therefore, since we've been justified... And this word justified means to be acquitted, right? To be proven to be righteous. One of the easy ways to kind of remember what it means is this. Justified never sinned. It's justified never sinned. It's, it, it's like, this is what we want in our relationships, isn't it? When we kind of check in, like, hey, how are we doing? Don't we, we just, we just want to be justified. We want to be proven righteous. But when we know that we haven't been absolutely perfect, we know that maybe we said some things that we shouldn't have said, or maybe that we treated somebody the way we shouldn't have treated them. But, but when it comes to that moment where we have to face the music, hey, how are we doing? We want to be justified. And we want that same thing with God. In those moments where we are kind of question where we stand with God, in those moments where, where we can be like, oh, okay, what does God think of me? 
Our hope is somewhere in our heart, somewhere in our mind. Our hope is that we would be justified before him. And Paul is saying that is exactly what Jesus has come to offer all of us. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, and we're justified through faith. Not, not something we do. It's not something that we get our, you know, if we get our life right, if we clean up our act, and then, you know, we can be justified. You know, Jesus has already done the work for us. He's already paved the way for us. Through faith in him, we are justified. Paul says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know what, makes, what difference it makes? Paul says, we have peace with God. And this word peace here is not like some inner peace. It's not some, some feeling, something that, that we kind of churn up on our own. No, he's talking about this, this external objective peace, harmony between two parties. It, it's not just the absence of, of negativity either. It, it's more than that. It's, it's like, hey, I, I don't have anything against you. It's, it's I am for you. God is for us. He is with us. Things that are good between us. Things are good. And Paul's writing all this in a modern context. I, I think you, you know, with this like internal evaluator, we're constantly churning in, 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 every, in every area of our life. I think you would say like one of these ways. You may get to a place where you question, what difference does all this make? You may ask that specifically about your faith. You may ask that about, hey, what difference does it make if I follow Jesus with my life? And here's what I think Paul would answer. I, I think you'd say, you, you want to know what difference does it make? The moment you ask yourself that question, you need to respond with, through Jesus, I have peace with God. Through Jesus, I have peace with God. That's the difference. And Paul was saying, putting our, our faith in him, it's the difference th that it makes for all of us. Have you ever looked at some great view of nature and thought about God? It's amazing, isn't it? It's, honestly, it's, it's even a little scary. Last week, our family was at the beach visiting my brother, and it was just gorgeous, right? There was soft sand and beautiful blue water. There was just ocean as far as you could see. And every time I'm at the beach, I like to sit back and just kind of stare and take it all in. And every time I do, I feel really, really small. I think about the God that created all of this and how powerful he must be to do that. Scripture talks about the idea of the glory of God. And what they're referring to is this grandness, right? This bigness of God. And that feeling of all, sometimes, if I'm being completely honest, it, it turns into a feeling of fear. As I consider how small I am and how big God is, I'm like, what a powerful, what an awesome God, what a huge God. He's so grand, he's so big, he holds the entire world in his hands. He's so powerful that he could calm the oceans if he wanted to. That can be a pretty scary thought where we kind of wonder where we fit into all this. But what a beautiful, beautiful truth that we have peace with God. You see, I think every human being on earth needs to experience that. Every human being should experience having peace with their creator. Everyone should experience the gift that Jesus has offered to us, a relationship with our Father God, where we don't have to guess where we stand, where we don't have to wonder, are we good we already know the answer to the question, how are we doing? You see, our faith in Jesus defined the relationship for us. It defines the relationship for us and it, it makes that we no longer, this relationship is no longer defined by our mistakes or our failures. It's no longer our relationship with God is defined by our past or the things that we're ashamed of, the things that we regret, the, the things that, that we want to say, you know, just no more. See, Jesus has done it for us. He's defined the relationship so that we can move forward, so that we can engage, so that we can pursue God, so that we can pursue what he's been inviting us into. The, the things that he's put on our hearts and our minds that just won't go away. And as the weeks go by and as the, the feelings continue to build, God is leading us into a direction. And he's saying, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to, I want you to know that we're good. I want you to, to, to move right into it. 
You see, the truth is for all of us, things haven't been perfect. Things may have been a struggle, but with God, we're good because Jesus defined our relationship. Through his death, through his resurrection, we are justified with God. We can approach God with freedom and with confidence, all because the relationship has been defined by Jesus. And without it, without that relationship being defined for us, without the work of Jesus on our behalf, we're stuck. Our relationship stalls out. We don't move forward into what God is inviting us into. So let's be people that remind ourselves often that through Jesus, I have peace with God. Through Jesus, you have peace with God. You're getting up in the morning and you're getting yourself ready. Remind yourself of this. When you're at work and things are stressful and, and you know, there's all this relationship stuff and deadlines and there's all these pressures and every, every time that builds up, just remind yourself, through Jesus, I have peace with God. When your kids are acting crazy and you're just trying to keep them you know, behaving because you know, <clears throat> recently life hasn't been all that normal, remind yourself, through Jesus, I have peace with God. In those relationships that you have with people that, that, that aren't going well right now, where there's a little bit of turmoil and you're not seeing eye to eye, remind yourself, through Jesus, I have peace with God. And then that peace, not only will, it, will, <clears throat> will you experience it, but then you'll begin to offer that peace to others around you. So let's remind ourselves of this often. The difference that Jesus came to make for us is that through him, we can have peace with God. And that will change us and it will change those around us. It will change the community around us and it will make a huge difference in this world. Through Jesus, I have peace with God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for first for, for loving us so much that you would send your own son into this world. God, that he would pay our debt, that he would die a sinless life. God, he would, he would die a sinner's death for a sinless life on a cross. That he paid our debt, God, and then he justified us so that we could be at peace with you, so that, so that, that that gap would be bridged and we would know you and we could know your plans for us and we would know the life you want for us, that we could experience what Jesus talked about, life and life to its fullest because of what he did for us. God, so I pray for everyone who's watching this or listening to this. God, I pray that in those moments where we would get overwhelmed, where our relationships would feel like they're falling apart, God, maybe it's our marriage or God, maybe for someone listening, it's the relationship with their children. God, maybe it's something happening at work in the midst of this, this turmoil we're all experiencing. There's this uncertainty, there's this worry. God, fear has gripped us. But God, our faith in Jesus gives us peace with you. God, I pray for that peace. I pray that we would all experience it. God, peace with you. Peace in the midst of every storm. God, there might be turmoil. There might be hardship. There might be, God, suffering. But we can have peace with you. And I pray as we experience that peace, Lord, we would begin, to, to God, to pass that peace on to others. And we would see a difference in our families and in our neighborhoods and our workplaces, God, in our communities. And God, if every Christian would get this right, we would see a difference in this world. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us, God, the, the wisdom to take that step and the courage to do it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Journey, I love you. I pray you had an amazing week. I pray this week would be so filled with peace as you continue to remind yourself, even in those times of hardship, even in those times of uncertainty, that through Jesus, we can have peace with God. I cannot wait to see you guys again. Mark your calendars. September 13th, we're going to be back in here. We're going to prep this facility over the next month, make sure we get everything in order. Over the next few weeks, we'll be rolling out some more information about what that looks like and how it's going to work here at Journey. But 
I can't wait to see you. I think you might feel the same way. Maybe not seeing me exactly. Maybe it's my wife or my kids. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's just people in general. We are so excited to see you. We can't wait. September 13th, we'll see you. Come back here and let next week online for part two of What Difference Does It Make? God bless you.